All right, hello and welcome to the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, very good. I've got, um, I don't know if this is news. So most listeners might know by now, I, I live up in Newcastle and um, I was in Greg's the other day with my daughter. Uh, is this going to be a transfer rumour? Where you spotted a Portuguese player in Greg's. <laughs> there was that time I was on a plane and there was a kid I was I was I could have sworn was getting signed by Newcastle because he, <laughs> he had the Newcastle trophy. Anyway, um, no, I was so um yeah in Greg's with my daughter and I almost spotted have to Pedro Gonçalves was getting a chicken bake. <laughs> That's that would be a lovely rumor to see for Brizio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let, let me tell a story, man, because I think you'll really Sorry. appreciate it. <laughs> um, in Greg's, with my daughter, I almost have to leave her to run out the shop to approach this man I see walking down the street through the window. He's wearing a the Portamanens Mizuno kit with the McDonald's sponsor. You were joking. I'm not joking you. That is my, that is, honest to God, that is my top three dream Portuguese kit. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if the guy listened to the podcast. It was on Chilliam Road in Newcastle. <laughs> Please get in contact. It looked like a large <laughs> extra large. <laughs> I honestly, mate, I almost jumped up and just left because I, like, I needed to. I needed. To, I wanted to know who this person was, how they got this kit. That's yeah, that is amazing. But there you go. Yeah, no, I'm good, man. That was, that was probably the best kit I've ever spotted. If I've got to be honest, mm, that is a, that is a phenomenal kit spot. Well. Uh, the reason I thought you were going to tell a transfer story because you know you get those stories on deadline day where it's like oh I saw a XYZ player in a in a petrol station blah 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 yeah anyway we all know Pedro Gonzalez will be getting a steak bake not a chicken bake um, but it's a transfer special where we are going to be rounding up the transfer window as a whole because the transfer window slammed shut on Friday night at 11pm and what a transfer window it was we are going to be taking a look back at Benfica, Porto, Sporting and Braga assessing their transfer windows, how they've done. And then me and Barney are also going to be discussing two teams each that we think have had interesting windows from outside of the top four teams. And then we're also going to be answering your questions at the end in a little Q&A session. Um, Barney, what I want to do to begin with, though, is I want to just run down what happened on deadline day. It wasn't the most exciting deadline day. There weren't too many big deals waiting to be done. I remember deadline day, was it the January transfer window deadline day about 18 months ago when Sporting left it late to sign Marcus Edwards and one other player? That was quite an exciting deadline day. But to be totally honest, unless it's departures, we don't really get that much excitement in Portugal on deadline day. But there were some interesting deals. These are the ones you probably have heard of and a couple you might have missed. So in terms of incomings, this did come out of the blue a little bit. Um, Benfica signed Spanish fullback Juan Bernat uh, on loan from PSG. Porto brought in a player that they've been rumoured to be bringing back. Uh, and that was, of course, uh, Chico Consensal. Consensal Jr., he joined on loan from Ajax um, only a year after he left in the first place, I think. Um, and one that I like, Barney, that we'll be coming on to again later, Chiquinho is back in the Primera Liga, not the Benfica player, but the youngster who left Estoril for Wolves, uh, and he joins Family Cal 
on loan. And in terms of departures, Vlako Dimos left Benfica for Nottingham Forest. Ristich left Benfica for Celta Vigo. Schlederup left Benfica for Neutraland. That was on loan. They also loaned out Paolo Bernardo to Celtic. Um, and then one deal that, that I spotted that uh, means something to me, but might not mean something to a lot of people, was Kiko Bondozo leaving Vizela for Maccabi Tel Aviv. So busy day for Benfica, to be fair. They got stuck in. Uh, a few players left on loan. They got rid of Blackadimos. They uh, let Ristich go, a player who's not really played that much. Um, they brought in Van Bernat. So they were quite active on, on deadline day. Yeah, they seem to be have been very active all winter, haven't they? Um, I think there's a few fans through for other teams in the league who would like to see their teams been a little bit more active. Um, it's been interesting though, isn't it, Albert, with this, this transfer window as a whole because um, obviously we've got the, the Saudi league um, having effect in, in, in Portugal as well. We've previously seen um, other uh, leagues from the Middle East uh, look to Portugal for talent and we've seen people who we thought were had a real high quality uh, leave to those leagues and, 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 and been poached. Um, but then otherwise, I don't know, but I don't if it just feels like a slightly quiet window for the rest of the league. I know Benfica have obviously been very active, as you mentioned, but otherwise, it, it doesn't feel like we've had too many. I mean, quite often, me and you have these moments where there's a player we thought has fallen in love with, and then suddenly, well, like Kiko Bondoso. Okay? Although, to be mm. fair to him, he's gone to play under Robbie Keane, hasn't he? So, you can't, <laughs> can't <forget. laughs> I, I, I did I only, only realised when I saw the picture of him with the kit and Robbie Bean was there. I was like, well, oh, right. <laughs> but no, what I'm trying to say is that I think we do usually see, it feels like quite a lot of players leave leave the league, um, and, and, and it, which is always quite disappointing because we feel like they've got that, that a few more steps to go or perhaps get a move to a bigger club in Portugal at some point. But, but this year it hasn't felt as gutting in, in that sense. It feels like there's a few players sticking around still, which has been nice. Yeah, Kiko Bonozo, I, I was. I just wanted to bring up um, for anybody who doesn't know, Vizela player, but um, easy to forget Vizela's story. I think it's worth reiterating. They were in the third division. They've always been quite a small team. Then they got two consecutive promotions under Alvaro Pacheco. Uh, they got promoted from the third division to the second, and then straight away from the second division to the first, playing great football under, like I said, Pacheco. Um, and they kept a lot of the same team. Uh, from the third division into the second and into the first, even that first season when they survived relegation. And Kiko Bondozo was, for me, he was the epitome of that. You know, he played for them in the third division. He'd never played at a higher level until he joined Vizela and then they helped him get up to the Primera Liga. And I thought he was a, I thought he was a top player, to be honest. I thought he was didn't look out of place in the first division. In fact, I even tipped him to replace Luri Medeiros at Braga. Obviously, that didn't happen and you know, I'm sure he's he's getting a lot more money at the club for Tel Aviv. So um, I wish him all the best, but a uh, slight shame to see him go. Yeah, and do you know what? It's, it, I'm I'm not saying suggesting that this would necessarily be Kiko Bundo's, um career trajectory. He's obviously had quite a long career and deserves yeah deserves a move. But the other players, you know, I think I saw a story which really took me by surprise, which was that Lufa Singh has come back to Portugal, but gone into the Liga Salzburg, the second division. And he, when he was at Passos a few years ago, and he made that decision to move to Copenhagen, uh, the potential of Champions League football, which you sort of understood, but it, it seemed it's... I think we quite often see players make career decisions that end up being the wrong decisions. And, and maybe this is the unfortunate situation we are with this league where, you know, the money is just not good enough and these players sort of feel that the, the the next step up for more money 
is the right one to make, but then it obviously doesn't pan out on their career trajectory sort of takes it's a stumbling block. So um I'm look, I'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit more about these sort of transfers as as we go through the, the rest of the teams. But yeah, it's uh it's been a an interesting window and um yeah, just need to get our head around head around all of them. Where all these players are now, and and who's new, who's good. Well, one last thing I want to say before we get into it, Barney. Actually, we're going to do a Q and A section at the end, but there was one question that I did want to bring up now, which was from a good friend of ours at Nosh Football League of Bwin Turkey. Great Twitter Twitter account who covers Portuguese football in Turkish, which obviously you know does a really good job. Um, but he asked. What are you thinking about the connection between the Portuguese league and the Turkish league? And it reminded me, Barney, that although the transfer window is closed for us, Turkey have a habit of snoop coming in and stealing those good players just when we think they're safe, when we thought they were gonna thought they were gonna stay. So to be totally honest, that's my overriding thought towards Turkey. And worth remembering, Turkish league still open, Saudi Pro League transfer window still open. So there's still opportunities for players to leave. The European window is closed. But we still could still see players depart um, to leagues like Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Well, I mean the the, the relationship generally has been a sort of a one way relationship, hasn't it? Um, although occasionally you do see players coming back at some point, I think um, there's definitely been a couple of this in there. But yeah, generally it seems to be uh, the big one. I remember was Miguel Crespo going to Fenerbahce. That seemed like a mm. you know because he was looking really good, um, really good midfielder who came up with. Um, Estro and uh, he he looked like he could have taken that next level and gone to a, a big three club, big four club maybe. But um, yeah, Fenerbahce came in for him, and we've seen a few other players sort of take that move now. Um, some old like Sakiria going to, to to from Braga to Turkey this year, but some some youngsters as well. So um, yeah, uh, it's uh, for me it always feels like a bit of a one way relationship, and we we sort of get the get their cast off it when they when they're done after a couple of years, but. Yeah. Hey, can't begrudge him. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, let's get stuck into it, Barney. And we, like I said, we're going to talk about the top four teams. And this is an opportunity to discuss the, the windows a little bit more in depth uh, than we have done at any other point on the podcast. Uh, so what I want to do first, Barney, we're going to start with Benfica. And I just want to run through pretty much overall their transfer business. And then we'll get into stuck into a few talking points. So Benfica's signings, this season, this is incomings. Kochu from Feyenoord for 25 million euros. Uh, Cabral, 20 million euros, the striker. Jurasek, the left back, 14 million euros. Trubin, the goalkeeper, I think that's from Shakhtar Donetsk, 10 million euros. Uh, Angel Di Maria, uh, you might have heard of him, came in for free as a free transfer. They bought back Gonzalo Gedge on loan from Wolverhampton and Finally, deadline day business, Juan Bernat came in on loan from Paris Saint-Germain. So those are the players they signed. In terms of departures, the big one to start with, of course, was Gonzalo Ramos to PSG. Now, initially, that's a loan, but basically, that's a £65 million transfer with the possibility of an extra €15 million Euros in add-ons. Um, another big departure was Alejandro Grimaldo, the talismanic left-back who's been there for so long. He left on a free transfer, he went off to Germany. They sold Vlaco Dimos to Nottingham Forest for £9 million. They sold Julian Weigel for £7 million. Uh, They sold Gilberto, the right-back, for 2.5. They sold Ristich, a left-back they only bought in, I believe, a year ago. It didn't play very much for them. Uh, that was an unknown transfer fee. 
Harris Seferovic, remember him? He finally left on a permanent deal. And then they let a few players go on loan. Uh, Salihu Mate, Thiago Dantas, Henry Garajo, Andreas Schladerup and Paolo Bernardo all went out on loan. So, um, well, let's start with the positives then, Barney, for Benfica. And the first one for me is um, is the signing of Kochu from Feyenoord for €25 million. Euros. That is a statement signing for this league. It's a very similar signing, in my opinion, to the Enzo Fernandez deal, where you know they've signed a player who's tipped for great things, ready to take that next big step up, and they, they win and got him. Um, and although he might not sell for quite the same ridiculous fee as the Fernandes did, it just it does feel like, a, like I said, a real statement signing. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out, Albert. The, you know, it's, it's got all the... He's got the youth on his side, only 22 years old. He's got all the... He's, from what we've seen so far, he's got everything that could... You know, I wouldn't be surprised me if clubs are coming in for 18, 19 million for him, you know, he, he, for me, he looks like he's certainly got that potential. He's got real class, real talent. And, um, I've said it, I said it a few months ago when, when this signing first came out, that it was the fact that Benfica were able to convince him to, to go come to Benfica for this as a stepping stone. Cause let's be real, you know, I, there were clubs in for him. He could have got a Premier League move, as far as I'm aware. You know, th- there was always going to be interest for him. So the fact that Benfica were able to convince him to come under Roger Schmidt, play a couple of seasons, you know, develop even more, uh, it's it's a real masterstroke, and he looks absolutely fantastic. And 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 the whole thing, uh, the, this whole time has been replacing Enzo Fernandez in terms of his past, the passing ability, the creativity that they get from midfield, and he's he is that player absolutely, and and. Perhaps he's got even more than Enzo in terms of his shooting as well, because he looks like he's got a, he can hit a rocket or two. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a it's a great it's it's a really exciting transfer. It's, it seems like a you know a, a real real prospect on our hands, like Enzo Fernandez was, but um, perhaps even more so because you know it seems like the whole of Europe is more aware of him than when, when Enzo Fernandez came uh, from from Argentina. So yeah, it's a it's a great, excellent signing from Benfica. Yeah, and, and as you say, got his first goal at the weekend, and it was a an amazing finish. So, kudos to him for that. And uh, interesting because he had a, a, a slow start. You know, his first game that that defeat to Boavista, he, he wasn't great. So maybe he needs a little bit of time to settle in. Worth remembering that this league isn't a walkover for for every player. But um, yeah, even at this early stage of the season, he's starting to show his his class. And um, I think we all expect big things from from Kochu. So he'll be an exciting player to follow this season. Another positive for me, Barney, just Angel Di Maria coming in. Um, that's a brilliant signing. Again, another statement signing. I, I know he was a free agent, so they didn't pay a fee for him, but he'll be on big wages. Probably the the, the biggest wages anyone has ever been paid in this league. Um, and, you know, he's a he's a Benfica legend. He's, he's a footballing legend, really. Um, a player of undeniable quality, despite his age. And, and for this league, that is a, a, a phenomenal signing. Yeah, and maybe one of the important things about this this transfer is if if, if they don't sign Andrew Di, Andrew Di Maria, they bring in everyone else. That's fine. That's great. But there's there would still be question marks about these players' potentials, like Cabral, like Koshu, who we mentioned, um, like Jurasek. If we play that out as the league progresses, if they don't start getting results, suddenly people start doubting, questioning everything that's happened. The fact they brought in Di Maria. There are no questions. You know, this is an improvement on the squad. They brought one of the best players in the world. You know, there's no questions that this this transfer, there's no questions that Benfica have improved their squad. Do you know what I mean? That they can push on from last season. 
and I think that 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 really encompasses it all for me. I think you know he's gonna he's already shown his what what quality he has. Um, is it, he's just an incredible player? And yeah, it was a, a an incredible move for Benfica to make. And 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 you know we've we've briefly talked about the Saudi league already. You know the once again the, the fact that Dean Maria chose to come to Benfica, they were able to convince him to come back. Is, a, is is really important, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic to have them here. Yeah, I think overall that's that's the feeling that we and other people have got from Benfica over this transfer window. They had a great squad last season, and if anything, they they look to have improved it, um, which is a you know a really impressive impressive thing and an exciting prospect for any any Benfica fan and any neutral watching this league. Um, the other. I mean, they made a load of signings, but I do like, you know, the fact that, for example, with the goalkeeper, um, they've obviously decided that they they, they want to move on from Vlacodimos. Um, perhaps it was handled a little bit messily, but they went out, they identified their replacement and they brought him in. And I think, you know, that shows that this is a club with with a very good um, a very good tactic when it comes to the transfer market. They, they do uh, the business that they want to do. Um, and they do it well. So, you know, a lot of positives for Benfica in this transfer window. If we want to talk about areas where perhaps they still need to improve or perhaps where they, they could have done better, obviously there are, there are downsides to this uh, transfer window. Um, Casalo Ramos leaving, the obvious one, although um, it was an incredible fee. And I don't think you can argue with, with the fee that they got. Um, so, uh, they got, and we know that selling players... For big fees, it's, it's part of Benfica's business model. I think Grimaldo leaving was um, a blow, although they knew it was going to happen. The, the difference between, for me, Grimaldo and Gonzalo Ramos is that I think you couldn't replace Grimaldo for the fee they got. Obviously, he had on a free transfer, so it was going to take a lot of money to replace um, a player of his quality. Um, and then I think, you know, there's still question marks over one or two players like David Neres and Florentino. Uh, players who you know we expected to be playing more minutes and haven't played, been linked perhaps with moves away, it hasn't happened. So, you know, is the squad completely settled? Have they been able to move on everyone they wanted to? Perhaps one or two question marks there. I mean, I, I would turn those questions. Well, I'll give you an answer, but I feel like the squad is so well balanced. You know, I I think you're right to highlight Florentino and there, as we've already talked about how the possibility of them being perhaps unsettled if they seem to their minutes seem to dry up. But if you take that away and just look at it in terms of like a, a numbers point of view, in terms of how many players you've got for each position, the quality of each of those players, the way Benfica have managed their squad is remarkable. It's it's they are they feel like they're covered in every position, uh, you know, and, and and they've got quality in each. Like you know, there's competition for places. There's real, real high quality there. So I think the my overall feeling for this transfer window is that their squad is just. Um, is 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 in a much better position, and they've got you know enough cover in all uh, all areas of the pitch. We're going to talk about some other clubs, Albert, in the, in the top four who that isn't the case at all. You know, in fact, it's 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 almost blind, it's blindingly obvious where the, where there's gaps in these other team squad. But with Benfica, um, it, they've really kept a, a core group of players together and 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 added quality. I mean, just one one the one that I really like in particular, Albert. And perhaps is the least necessary is Thomas Arojo, who who's who they decided to keep despite having multiple loan offers or even purchase options, as as far as I'm aware. 
but that just gives them that little bit more cover, you know. That that you know, he, he's it's just big moves, big decisions being made, and, and I think they they they're all the the right ones. Yeah, lots of big calls made. But like I said at the beginning, I think Benfica have have shown during this window that they're a club prepared when it comes to a transfer window. And unlike some teams in this league, they're a team, you know, because of the resources that they have, that are able to go into a transfer window, um, identify the targets that they want, and a lot of the time they are able to go out and get those targets. So I think overall for Benfica, I think we can only say that it's been a, a very, very positive uh, transfer window. Um, well, let's talk about Porto, then Barney. And again, I'm going to do exactly the same thing, going to run through all of their business that they've done this window, just so everyone is up to date. So in terms of incomings for Porto, they signed Ivan Jaime for €10 million Euros from Family Cal, Nico Gonzalez for €9 million Euros from Barcelona, Alan Varela for €8 million Euros from Boca Juniors. They signed Fran Navarro for €7 million Euros from Gil Vicente. They signed Francisco Conchasau on loan from Ajax. And they signed Mexican right-back George Sanchez on loan, also from Ajax. I'm not sure, actually, if that has a option to buy. Uh, I'll have to check that. And in terms of outgoings, well, there's an elephant in the room, which is, of course, the €60 million Euro sale of Otavio to Saudi Arabia. Uh, they sold Diego late for 7.5 million euros uh, and he went to Union Berlin. And then they lost Mateus Uribe, a very important defensive midfielder for them in the last few seasons. He left as a free agent and they lost a few other fringe players also on free agents. So not quite as much business done by Porto as Benfica, but they did make some good signings and I think all of the signings that they made add quality to the team and improve an area where they probably needed improving. And I'm thinking specifically about central midfield Barney. You know, they lost Uribe and they brought in Nico Gonzalez and Alan Varela. And I think those are two very good central midfielders who are ready to make a make a difference for Porto. And I think already, although we haven't seen Alan Varela play already, I think we've seen Nico Gonzalez play. And and we've seen his quality and, and what he can offer to Porto. Yes, certainly. I mean, um, yeah, that was a really obvious area of the pitch that he needs to address. You know, Estacchio has been decent, um, but uh, like Bruno Costa, sadly, didn't wasn't able to sort of get a starting place um, in the eleven. So yeah, and and Grujic has had his moments, but once again, has hasn't been incredible. So yeah, they they've been. They've done they've done really good business in that area. Alan Varela, I'm really excited for. Comes with a lot of fanfare. Really highly rated um, Argentinian defence midfielder. Perhaps as highly rated as Fernandez was when he came to Benfica last year. And of course, Nico Gonzalez coming from Barcelona is is very exciting, um, and has already shown uh, a real touch of class and, and quality when he's uh, played so far this season. So that's been good. And also, if you look at the age profile, both those signings, 21 for Nico Gonzalez and 22 for Ana Varela, that sort of completely rejuvenates that midfield because as good as Uribe was, he, what is he, 32, 33? You know, that was a sort of, um, it was a slight, well, generally Porto seemed like an aging team. Maybe that's just because they're facing their 40, but an Ivan McConnor. But you get what I mean. That They've they've really brought youth into the to the team, which is a bit important. Um so I like those. And Ivan Jamie, Jamie as well from Family Cow, they left it a bit late. It was a sort of the transfer room that was running all summer. Um, but a, an important player to bring in because I think 
whether he plays out wide or through the middle, he's going to bring creativity. He's going to bring, you know, hopefully supply to those two strikers that Conscious How likes to play with, which has sort of been lacking. Otavio was probably one of the best at it. And obviously now he's departed. Um, So they really needed to address that area of the pitch as well, which I think they've done. And and I think once that deal came through, Albert, like you said, it's good business overall through the window. Like there's, when I saw when you see those players and the, the fees they pay for them as well, you know it it's like you said bringing quality and a, a fairly reasonable price I would say. So I think in that sense it, it it's it's looking good for Porto. Yeah, one aspect of their window as well that I like was was them signing domestically as well. And I think even Jaime and and Fran Navarro are two good examples of that. Two good players, a combined total of seventeen million euros. Um, it's not bad at all. So uh, I like that aspect. One part of their transfer window that we haven't really discussed on the main podcast, we haven't really had time to. Of course, Mehdi Taremi, who had a bit of a transfer whirlwind at one point, it looked like he was set to join AC Milan right up until the last minute. That deal then fell through. Different reports as to why that was. Some saying that uh, Taremi couldn't agree kind of personal terms, that he had agreed personal terms with AC Milan and the terms of that deal changed. Um, And then some people just saying that Taremi never really wanted to leave anyway. And actually, it was you know just his decision to stay at Porto. So that's an interesting one. What do you make of that, Barney? Because obviously, on, on the one hand, you'd, you'd be happy to see him stay because he's a, he's a quality player. But then it does bring up two kind of caveats. One, that he's then likely to leave as a free agent in the summer next year. And two, that he's not exactly been in amazing form. So, you know, has the transfer window kind of had a bit of a shadow over him. Will he be able to get his form back? And of course, they now go into the season with five strikers on their books, you know, and they signed Fran Navarro. I wonder if Fran Navarro is thinking, well, I thought I thought Taremi would be off and I'd be getting more minutes. So are they going to be able to keep a kind of a, a happy squad? Are they going to have time to find minutes for all those attacking players? And, and is Taremi going to get back to his best? I think on, on the surface, this can only really be a good thing because in my opinion, it's the league's best striker staying in the league. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd bite that bullet of him leaving for nothing. You know, I think he is invaluable. I've already said like I felt his departure could have potentially been more detrimental than Otavio's, and 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 obviously the Otavio uh, transfer had a factor in this. Like you know, the, there wasn't that necessary need for Porto to get more money in uh, with Mediterranean. So yeah, I think you're right there that his form has faltered, and whether that is to do with the, the speculation around his transfer and, and and not being in the right headspace, you know, he'll need to get back to his best quickly because there's that bit more competition now. Whether Contrasal will <laughs> drop him would be quite huge in my opinion, but you know that there is the more options for Contrasal to play with now. So yeah, it's I'm I'm glad he's here. I think he, I think he's it's I think it's the right thing to do to keep him. Uh, and and let him go to free. Who knows? He might even sign a contract extension. You never know. But I think he he'll be invaluable. And I guess maybe the big question now is who his partner will be. You know, Tony Martinez has been great. Danny Lamasso had so much promise at the end of last season, and and then like you mentioned, Fran, Fran Navarro is an absolute proven goal scorer in this league. So, and then Evan Olsen when he gets back from injuries, yeah, it's 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 a conundrum. But yeah, important to keep him. Albert, I wanted to ask you because we're generally being quite positive about this transfer window for Porto. But I feel like a lot of people I see, a lot of Porto fans are generally unhappy. You know, looking at areas that the fullback position needs to be addressed, perhaps someone to come in in a centre-back. 
I found it quite surprising that um, apparently Contrasau refused offers from for David Carmo from the likes of Severe and stuff. He he wanted him part of that squad. Do you agree with those complaints about the the lack of chance activity in the back line, or, or or do you think they they could have improved that? No, I, I agree. I think the fact they haven't signed a left back is it's worrying. I think Zaidi Sanusi and, and Wendell neither of them have really impressed. And then they also only really have one right back on their books in, in Joao Mario. They let Manafar go. Over the summer, we know Conchicel loves to play Pepe at, at right back. I don't love it. I prefer him on the wing. But we know that he will do that. And then you've got a starting centre-back pairing of, of, of Pep, who's 40, and even Marcano, who's 37. And, and then when your backup options are Cardoso, who, to be fair to him, doesn't do terribly whenever he plays. I mean, I think he's a very solid Primera League or centre back. I don't think he's a championship set sorry, I don't think he's a Champions League centre back. I don't think he's even a Europa League centre back. Um and then of course David Karma who I don't know what the right thing to do with David Karma is, Barney. I don't really have the answer. Like I don't know whether you sell him, I don't know whether you loan him, I don't know whether you keep him and, and, and try and get him to play. I think he needs to play. That's the thing. He's just not playing at the moment. I think he has to play for someone. So I would be surprised if Conchasau turned down a loan move. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they should have signed reinforcements. I think they needed a new left back. Arguably, they needed a new right back and also arguably needed a new centre back. They haven't got any. So I think, to be honest, I would I would be worried about that. Well, they have brought in uh, George Sanchez, the Mexican right back from Ajax. Um, who, yeah, who, I, I wonder if he'll be if he'll play against a, a play ahead of Jao Mario or if Jao Mario will be do enough to to keep his spot. It looks like he's played a fair bit for Ajax last year and got a, a couple of goals and assists. So, um, yeah, it uh, he he's the only um, obvious addition to that back line. But otherwise, yeah, I think the <laughs> I mean, look, the whole karma thing. But I think I I can just imagine imagine it. Conchita is just the most stubborn guy, and, and, and until Carmo, like I don't know cracks a smile or something or I don't know then he'll get in the <laughs> there's something he's not doing right clearly in the training ground he just needs to like I don't know play with a smile on his face then he'll get in the team <laughs> yeah who knows it's a bit of a mystery um, but yeah look overall for Porto I think it, the signings that they made have been good but I do think there are still perhaps question marks over areas that they still need to reinforce such as um, mainly in defence um, right, let's talk about sporting Barney um and their summer business has been very interesting. It's been very different from what I think we've come to expect from a sporting. Uh, three big signings. They signed a striker, Victor Jokerez, from Coventry for €20 million. Euros. They signed central midfielder, Morten Hulmund, for €18 million Euros from Lecce in Italy. And they signed 18-year-old right-back, Spanishman, Spaniard Ivan Fresneda, for €9 million Euros from Valladolid. Only three incomings, but three big statement signings. And of course, the outgoings, a much longer list, starting with Manuel Ogarte for 60 million euros to Paris Saint-Germain, a very big departure. They also sold two young strikers, Yusuf Chimiti for 12.5 million euros to Everton in the Premier League and Thiago Thomas for 8 million euros to Wolfsburg in Germany. They sold Arta Gomez for 3 million euros and let a lot of players leave uh, on free transfers or on loan. So, a very, very interesting window for Sporting. And like I said, not the kind of window we expect from them. But I was really impressed by the signings that they did make. Three 
big statement signings. They identified key areas of the pitch that they wanted to reinforce uh, and they went out and got statement signings to fill those positions. So uh, from that perspective, I'm, I'm impressed with the business that they've done. Yeah, it feels very out of the ordinary for sporting. You know, we've seen them be so frugal in, in the past few seasons. Um, sometimes to some excess, you know, we look at the signing of um, Osman Diamonde, for example, which was like, about, was it like four or five million euros uh, last January? And that's obviously paid off absolute dividends. But then you look at other signings that they've done previously, you know, likes of Arta uh, Gomez for like, you know, three million euros for... Um, Estoril, that didn't really pay off at all. So they've 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 had a change of tax, and they said, "Look, we need to splat, pay some uh, splash some cash." And yeah, I I like these signings a lot. Giorgos uh, has already shown that it is a. Uh, some people did question the fee, but for me, you know, he he's he's real quality coming in, and Hulmand as well, um, another player who potentially could have gone to a, a, a bigger club, stayed in Serie A, for example. But you know, they've managed to convince him to come in and. Get essentially replace Agati because that was the a real part of the pitch that was well we would we, all last season we were discussing what the right combination of players to play in those those two central midfield roles you know but then with Daniel Brunkhanser coming back from a long term injury almost a new signing you could say so it, it, they look stronger in that in that area and then Ivan Ivan um, Fresnanda Albert from uh, the, the young Spanish right back just seems. All the rumours throughout the window of different right backs, you know, be it you know, there was the the guy from Napoli, there was uh, Tarek Lamptey at some point from Brighton, even like a, a guy from Holland. Sorry, I can't remember his name, but and then suddenly the best candidate for the role, you know, Barcelona missed out on him. You know, I've seen multiple people say, you know, that was one of the biggest mistakes Barcelona made this winter, not signing this guy. And at 18 years old, coming in, 9 million might seem like quite a lot, but every, the way everyone talks about this kid, he's going to be fantastic. Um, it will be interesting to see how he fits in at the right wing-back position because I think he's naturally more of a played-in-the-four-man defence. Um, so that will be interesting. But look, I've got no doubt this kid's going to be exciting to watch. And that, that that's that's a great signing. You know, this this is someone who they could really sell on for a lot of money, which, you know, this, as we've talked about with Porto and Benfica is really important for these clubs. Um, yeah. So, th- I mean, they're all really exciting signings from Sporting and, and, and that's something I felt, haven't really felt over the past few years. Completely agree with that. And, and the last thing I'll say on those, you know, at the time, I think people were quite surprised that Sporting forked out 20 million euros for for Victor Jokere as a striker with only one year left on his deal. But then look at it this way, Barney. They sold Thiago Tomas and Yusuf Chimiti for a combined 20.5 million euros. So they've basically swapped, in my opinion, two average players uh, for one very good player, two players who I don't think will ever be as good as Jokere is now. Um, and so although that means they lose numbers and that they've, they've swapped two strikers for one, the upgrading quality... Um, I think is is undeniable. That does bring me on to one point that I was going to bring up, though, as a potential negative. Um, and that was, obviously, it's a low volume of signings. It's three signings as an incoming. Um, and will that mean that they perhaps lack squad depth in terms of striking positions? They basically only have Paulinho and Jokerez, a strike partnership who've been playing together up front. And so if one of those gets injured or they need to change the system, you know, they, they haven't really got a 
a established replacement ready to come in. And of course, they didn't reinforce every position that I think they needed to reinforce. And I'm talking really about the goalkeeper um, in Adan, who who we've seen make quite a few mistakes in key games over the last season, season and a half, um, and they didn't bring a goalkeeper in. So the signings that they have made are excellent, but the only question mark for me would be, did they make all the signings that they need to make? Well, I think that's a question that will get answered as the season progresses, isn't it? Because really, you know, we have seen Roger Smith be ruthless with, with his goalkeeping uh, selection, uh, and you know that might come up to bite him in the, later down the line. We don't know. It feels like the sporting one was—it's been obvious for a long time. <laughs> so, I, 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 yeah, I mean, Cashless Michael's a free agent. That that would be lovely to see, but uh, you know, whether they do that or not, I don't know. Um, but then we've got to talk about your comment there about the sort of general squad depth. I think it looks like Amron's going to trust a few youngsters. He's going to trust a few people who've been out on loan, the likes of Eduardo Charisma. Um, uh, and yeah, just see if they they can have the opportunity to sort of try and be that depth. Um, I'm excited to see more of Jenny Katamo, uh, you know, the, uh, the young Mozambique winger to come turn right wing back who was on loan at Marito last season. You know, he's come back and shown Amarin something that he's trusted. So I think there's a few players like that in the squad. Dario Suga as well, someone who could have gone out on loan, but um, Amarin decides to keep. So yeah, there, there's there's youngsters that we that might get their opportunity as well. So yeah, it. Uh, I think we'll see as the season progresses how how well they they'll do overall. Um, but I, I think the the big takeaway from this transfer window was the the money spent and the fact that they've they obviously needed to to do that to sort of make sure they can try and get ahead of Braga again this this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a policy of, of quality, not quantity. And in the past, they've gone for quantity over, over quality. So it will be interesting to see whether that that pays off. Um, well, finally, Barney, of the top four clubs, let's talk about Braga, who were very busy in the transfer window. They made a number of signings, uh, and those were Bruma for 6.5 million euros. They signed Zalazar from f- for 5 million euros. Victor Gomez for 2 million euros. Vitor Cavallo for 2 million euros. Sikun Yakate for 1.8 million euros. Adrian Marin for 500,000 euros. Then free agents, João Moutinho, Jose Font and Ronnie Lopez. They also let quite a few players go. They sold Vitor Tomena for 3 million euros. They sold uh, Mario Gonzalez also for 3 million euros. Yuri Medeiros, 3 million euros. Francisco Moura, 1 million euros. Um, Fabiano for 700,000. Schettin for 400,000. And then free agents such as Sukera and Zay Carlos. So a big turnaround in terms of the squad, although it sounds like a lot of signings, but worth remembering that Bruma, Victor Gomez and Sikunia Kate were on loan the season before. Um, I think it's been a tremendous window for Braga, I have to say, for a number of reasons. I think they've secured a high number of quality players for a relatively low expenditure. They secured uh, great loan players from the season previously on permanent deals. In, like I said, Bruma, Victor Gomez and Yakate, I think all three of those players made a tremendous contribution to Braga last season and signing those players on permanent deals um, was fundamental to them continuing the good work that they did last season. They signed two experienced former Portugal national team players in Jose Font and João Moutinho. Their experience and leadership will be 
invaluable, especially as Braga embark on a historic Champions League group stage campaign. And uh, they replaced Luis Medeiros with Ronnie Lopez on a free free transfer. So for me, Barney, it's been a tremendous window for for Braga. Great signings made. And when I talk about relatively low expenditure, the number of signings that they made only cost 20 million euros total and they made 11 million in sales. For, so if you're talking about doing the, the transfer window right, I think Braga have done this transfer window very right. I mean, that that's completely down to what they did last year, right? And those loan loan, loan those loan signings with the purchase option agreed at quite relatively low prices. They have absolutely all paid off. Um, the Nierkate, the Vita Gomez in particular, I think are just uh, incredible bits of business. Um, it, I, you know, if I was to look at the, the signings they've made this summer, in, in that sense, the Vita Carvalho one from a uh, Vicente, I just maybe I wasn't watching him enough last year, but he looks it already looks like a great signing. He's looked so good in that midfield, you know, playing alongside Al Mizrati. He's he's looks brilliant and, and just a really good they've just unearthed a, a really good player there. And I think that that's credit to Arthur George for the way that he's been brought into the team. Um do you you mentioned Font and Jean for the experience, absolutely vital for the Champions League. You know, I, I, the age obviously they're very old players, but I think you know that that's always a balance in, in in your signings, isn't it? You know that I I've experienced one of those things you can't put in a statistic, you can't put it like it it's it's hard to describe, it's hard to put into words, but it's it's it is invaluable, and I think that those are great bits of business. You know, maybe opportunistic because like the Jao Moutinho, the, the the story was that he was all, all but signed for Porto, and Conchal didn't want him, and Braga just got in there and got him when he was you know and. and and he, he saw that love and he went for it. So I, I like that a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's. Uh, I think the only thing we've, we've seen so far is, is a, there's been that one moment where I felt like the, the when they were playing the qualifying games for Europe and coming back and playing in the league, they, you know, they looked a little leggy at some times. And so we, we, we need to see the whole of that squad come in and play and, 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 and offer something. So um yeah, that, that that will just play out as the season progresses. But overall, yeah, one of the most exciting windows I've seen in a long, long time. I love I love the fact... We haven't spoken about this Martino <laughs> signing on the podcast. Another one we didn't have time for. But I loved it so much, the drama. He was all set to join Porto and then the last minute he, he signs for Braga. I mean, if people don't know... Apparently, to, to summarise the full story, basically what happened is Sergio Contessao He's in the hospital, right? He was having an operation on his shoulder or his knee. And I assume what happened is, you know, Jean Martino is available. His agent gets in contact with a lot of clubs, gets in contact, I imagine, with Porto and Braga and says, look, Jean Martino is going to be available. Are you interested? And while Sergio Contessao's away, the Porto hierarchy say, yeah, we're interested in Jean Martino. So they agree the terms, they get him in, they do his medical. In the meantime, Sergio Contessao comes back from the hospital and is like, what's he doing there? I didn't ask for this guy. So he doesn't end up signing for Porto despite having already done his medical. And Braga, who I believe were always interested, actually. I don't think it was as opportunistic as you make out. I think they did always have an interest um, when the team had got him in the end. An incredible experience for them to add to their team, as you say, very exciting. The one last big positive that I want to add, Barney, is not a signing and it's not a departure. It's the fact that Ali Al at the time of recording this podcast, is still a Braga player. 
the number of transfer windows we've covered and where he's been linked with moves away. I think this is one of the transfer windows when he's actually been linked the least with with moves away. But he's an incredible player and, and he's a you know a huge part of that team. And and him staying for me is as as big as any new sign. Yeah, and you can add to that Ricardo Horta, although I think Ricardo Horta's opportunity to captain Prague in the Champions League was uh, more than enough to keep him. There was probably a little chance of him leaving this window. So yeah, um, the continuity in those two positions is, is is extremely important. And Mateus as well, let's be honest, another keeper who, you know, I think Nottingham Forest once again were rumoured with uh, bids for him earlier in the window. So to keep him absolutely fantastic as well so yeah it's uh it's they're looking good man that is a, it was a really impressive window from Braga the uh if we're talking about Braga Bayern the only the only negatives that I can think of for this window and I think we're being quite critical here but if we are going to talk about positive and negatives for every club when I was thinking about Braga the negatives that I thought were perhaps that they could be a little bit stronger in the left back position I think if they're going to be playing in the Champions League I think Adjun Marin is not necessarily the, the strongest left-back um, out of the top four teams. Um, equally, I think they've only really got one good option at right-back. It's a very good option in uh, Victor Gomez. If Victor Gomez is not playing, then I'm, you know, I'm not sure they've really got a, a replacement of, of sufficient quality. And uh, up front as well, Barney, they've never really replaced Vitinha. They're still running a, a strike of, of only... Abel Ruiz and Simon Banza, two good options, but I wonder whether um, they might not quite have enough options up front. So in general, I think there's just one or two areas where they haven't quite got the depth. But all things considered, I think you can't complain too much at the window they've had.